point of this series is to help you discover your greater purpose. And you may be wondering, why do I need to find my greater purpose? Well, the reality is, when you find purpose, it will add an extra layer of meaning to your life. It will give you a reason to get up in the morning. It will energize you to do the, the tasks that can sometimes drain your energy, sometimes find you going through the motions at work. Um, to help you uh, discover your greater purpose, in part one, we started off with this crazy idea that you have a gift. Um, no matter who you are, no matter where you grew up, no matter where you were born, that you have a gift. Um, that gift could be anything. It could be administration, it could be singing, it could be finance, it could literally be anything. But you have a gift. No matter who you are, you have a gift. And the reason why we were talking about gifts is because we believe that your gift points to your greater purpose. And so last week, uh, in part two, we helped you discover your greater purpose and discover your gift um, by giving you two um, kind of bits of homework. Uh, we gave you two pieces of assessment. One um, is like a, a Myers-Briggs personality test and the other was a spiritual gifts test. Um, and these tests were designed to help you discover your gift and help you discover how you are wired so you can uh, begin to move towards your greater purpose. And if you didn't get a chance to, to go through those um, assessments, I just want to give you a, a sneak peek as to what they look like. Um, the first one we got you to do is the Myers-Briggs personality assessment. Uh, from it, it will ask you 100 uh, odd, odd questions. It will take you about 15 minutes. And by answering these questions, it determines some things about you, some things that characterize you as a person. Um, and here's a look at um, some of my results. Um, when it comes to uh, charging my energy, I prefer to hang out on my own. I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. That uh, explains why my favorite two things to do in my life is reading and running. Because when you're running, it's you and the track. When you're reading, it's you and the book. Nobody else is involved. Um, that's what an introvert is. It's somebody who recharges their energy um, rather than, or recharges their energy on their own rather than hanging out with other people to do that. I'm more observant in nature uh, rather than intuitive, which simply means that um, rather than being imaginative and drawing pictures and stuff like that, I'm more like practical-minded. I'll um, dot point every step-by-step -step of uh, the things I need to do to achieve uh, the goal I've set. Uh, not only that, um, I'm more feeling in nature than uh, thinking, and if you've ever seen a movie with me or anybody who has seen a movie with me will testify to this because I literally cry in any film um, at all. If it's a rom-com, I'm definitely crying, but even if it's a comedy, I'm crying. Um, I cried in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 when Yandu dies, and like, don't blame me for that spoiler, that's on you. You've had 10 months to go see that film, but... I'm telling you, I literally cry in almost every film because I'm just more on the feeling end than the thinking end. And finally, um, I'm more judging uh, than like prospecting in nature. Now, you may be thinking judging, that's kind of bad. Um, in the nature of this test, judging simply means that I'm more pragmatic. I would prefer to calculate the options and um, kind of come up with strategies and tactics to move me towards my goal rather than being kind of uh, kind of loose with everything and just kind of um, innovating on the spot. Uh, innovation isn't my game, I just kind of um, have to plan out, strategize, map out everything my way to kind of move me forward. Um, and if you would have done this test, or if you did do this test, you would have found out some things about you um, that were interesting. Um, off this test, they give you a description of who you are. Um, and I just wanted to give you kind of a, a look as, um, as to this description, because it's, it's quite insightful. Um, my description goes something like this. Those sensitive defenders, which is my personality type, have excellent analytical abilities, which simply means this. 
While I cry during rom-coms, I'm also analyzing every detail possible. I'm trying to come up with a logical explanation to questions such as, why in 500 days of summer does summer say no to this guy that she loves and he loves her and she says no to the relationship because relationships aren't her thing and I, I can kind of logicalize that and understand why she does that. But then literally four months later after saying no to this guy that she loves is married and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'm trying to work out why and if you're interested, there is no logical explanation as to why Summer rejected uh, this guy. I have no idea what she was thinking but um, and that's kind of what happens uh, with my personality type. I'm sensitive but also analytical. Um, I'm reserved but also have uh, well-developed people skills, uh, robust social relationships, which is a relief because with the amount of rom-coms I watch, I'm just glad that I'm skilled at you know, people skills because otherwise I would have no friends whatsoever. Um, and finally, um, though my personality type is generally conservative, uh, defenders often, are often receptive to change and new ideas, uh, which you know, it's no surprise to me that I share the same personality type as Kate Middleton, Van Diesel personality, not physique, um, as well as the Queen and the Queen herself, Queen Bee, Beyonce. Um, so I really encourage you, uh, if you didn't get the chance to, to do that personality test because you find out some interesting things about yourself. The second test we gave you was the spiritual gifts assessment, um, which asks you a stack of questions and kind of gives you a list of a few things that you're gifted in. Um, here's a kind of a look at some of the results that you'll get. Um, these are my results. I'm gifted at evangelism, which is a fancy churchy word for um, being good at talking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. Uh, leadership and teaching, but I'll let you be the judge of that because that's what I'm attempting to, to do tonight. Um, but I'd really encourage you to jump on to our Facebook and do those um, assessments if you didn't get the chance to. Because when you do, you will discover something, uh, something about you. And it's really important because as we said last week, God's fingerprints, the way He's wired you, the way He's designed you, the gifts He's given you point to your greater purpose. They point you to your purpose. And that's where I want to pick up tonight because while your gifts point to your purpose, they aren't your purpose. While your gifts point to your greater purpose, they aren't your purpose in and of themselves. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, here's a generic definition of what purpose is. Uh, purpose, the reason for which something exists or is accomplished. In other words, to have purpose is to be a means to an end. Hedge trimmers trim hedges. Shovels dig holes. Mouthwash kills bad germs that cause bad breath. You could look at any product, we could go on and on and on and look at any product and go, what's the purpose of this product? And the answer would always be, this is a means to an end. And while it's true for a product, for it to embrace purpose, it needs to be a means to an end. For you to embrace purpose and to move towards that greater purpose, uh, you need to be a means to an end that is not yourself. Which is not natural because when we get our gift the natural thing to do is take it and run with it and do what we want to do with it we take our gift if we're gifted in finance we take it and we use it to help finance us we go and take it to get money for us to build a house for us to to build um, what we want um, to live the way we want to live if we're gifted at academics the natural thing to do is to use your gifted academics to get you the OP that you want, to get into the uni that you want, so that you can get the GPA that you want, so that you can ultimately get the job that you want. 
our gifts naturally point us to ourselves most of the time. Most of the time when we grab our gift, we use it for ourselves. But for us to embrace purpose, you need to use your gift in such a way that it's a means to an end that's not yourself. I have um, two uh, younger cousins, uh, one's six and one's eight, uh, they're called Malachi and Micah. And every Christmas and every birthday, whenever they get a present, they're ultra excited. Like, I mean, their faces light up, they're running around, they grab the gift, they rip it open, doesn't matter who bought it for them, they don't care, they just rip it open and they run uh, with their gift and try and work out what it means. The instructions fly to the side and they're um, tearing through their gift, trying to get, get it to work, uh, to use their gift. Um, but it's not, not that, um, you know, it's not that out of the blue for them to come back in 15 minutes and go, how do I get it to work? How do I get this thing to work? I know, I, I know it's a gift, I know what it is, I just have no idea how to get it to work. And the same is true for our gifts. Same can be true for our gifts. We get our gift, we know what it is, we just have no idea how to get it to work. We know it should point us to our purpose, we just don't know how it points to our purpose. See, in reality, if for you to understand how your gift points to your greater purpose, you need to understand two things. Who your gift is for and what it's for. Who's your gift for and what it's for. And luckily, you don't have to guess. Luckily, we don't have to guess because Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, in fact, shows us, uh, explains to us just what our gift is for, what the gift you have been given is for, what its purpose is. Um, he, Peter writes two letters which are compiled within the uh, 66 books that we know as the Bible, and uh, the letter that we're going to be looking at is the first letter that Peter writes. Um, it's uh, creatively named One Peter. How they came up with a name like that for Peter's first letter, I have no idea. Um, you know, it must be some geniuses uh, working behind the scenes there, but Peter writes this uh, first letter, and within this first letter, he talks about gifts, and he, more specifically, he talks about who they are for and what they are for, and I just want to jump into that letter tonight so that we can answer those two questions, so that you can discover your greater purpose. Um, Peter says this, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. God has given each of you a gift. Peter starts off the way we started the series, by telling everybody that they have a gift. Not some of them have a gift, but each and every one of them have a gift. It's not the same gift, but they all have been given a gift. Well, what's it for? How's it work? Well, Peter goes on and he says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to, who is it for? Use them well to serve one another. Your gift, who's it for? Short answer, not you. Your gift is to serve others. Your gift is for others. The reason why you've been given a gift is so that you can give it away, so that you can use it to serve others, to benefit others rather than yourself. Um, as I was researching uh, for this message, I came across this, this one quote. Uh, it's kind of a strong and confronting quote, but it's, it's really insightful as well, and I just wanted to share it with you. Uh, it's by Cheryl uh, Belchetcher, or however you pronounce her last name, and um, she writes this, uh, the point of purpose 
is to determine how you will serve others. If you don't have a plan to serve, you don't need a purpose. Now, I know that sounds uh, really confronting, it kind of makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it just reinforces this idea, for you to have purpose, for you to embrace purpose, you need to become a means to an end that is not yourself. You need to use your gift in such a way that it, it isn't for you, but it's for others. That's why Peter writes, uh, the purpose of your gift is to serve one another. Your, while your gift is from God, it is for others. It is not for you. And so for you to embrace your greater purpose, you really need to answer this one question. How can I use my gifts to serve others? And Peter goes on to give kind of a few examples of how uh, you may answer this question. He says, um, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Uh, Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. In other words, Whatever gift you have, fill in the blank, use it to serve others, use it to benefit others. But that's not just the complete purpose of your gift either. Peter goes on to add another layer to this. While your gift is a means to serving one another, it's a means to an even greater end as well. Peter goes on to write this, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to Him, forever and ever. Amen. Who's your gift for? It's ultimately to serve others. But in the process of you using your gift to serve others, you bring glory to your heavenly Father. Ultimately, your gift is a means to His glory. Now, I know this may be like something you resist, something you push back against, and it's totally natural for you to push back against this idea. Peter, in fact, the guy who wrote all this, pushed back against this idea. As I said before, the natural thing to do when you get your gift is to use it for you. And that's not your fault, that's just the natural thing to do. It's your gift, it's your time, it's your money, it's your talents, you might as well use it for your benefit. Why should you use it for somebody else's benefit? Why should your gift be a means to God's glory? Well, Peter struggled with this idea as well. In fact, it's something that didn't come naturally to him, but it's something that he learned over time uh, from following around Jesus and listening to his teachings. And in one, uh, one of these teachings that um, Peter was a part of, that uh, he was gathered around, Jesus, in fact, addresses this very issue, addresses this very issue of why you should live for the glory of somebody greater than you, rather than your own glory. And within this teaching, he asks these two clarifying questions to put things in perspective, to help them understand just why their glory may be too small to live for. He asks them this question first, and it's recorded in uh, the biographical account of Mark, and he says, what good is it for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul. Jesus says, hey, let's play an imaginary game. Let's say that uh, for the rest of your life, you live for your glory. You use your talents, your gifts, your, ta- uh, your skills for your benefit. And you're so talented and so skilled that you're able to gain everything you ever wanted. 
Not only that, you gain everyone you ever wanted. You've literally got everything you could ever desire. You've got property in the Bahamas, in New York, in London. You've got everything you want. You're traveling around the world, and you're not just traveling around the world, you are traveling with the people that you want to travel with. And when people look in on your life, they go, hey, man, he, she, they have the whole world. They are living the best, the most awesome life. I wish I was them. Jesus starts off by asking this question. What good is it for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their, your own soul? So what Jesus is doing is, is putting things into perspective. He's like, I want you to use your wildest imagination. Come up with whatever you want. Now, I want you to just picture the most awesome life. Now I want you to picture that you've come to the end of this life. You've reached the end of the most awesome life. What's going to happen? Well, no matter how successful you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how rich you are, you leave with nothing. You start with nothing. In the middle, you gain something. But in the end, you leave it all. Jesus points out to them what they already know. That they're going to die. And no matter how much they accumulate, they can't take anything with them. But he goes bigger than that as well. He goes, not only that, will you lose everything, but what if in the process of you gaining the whole world, you've somehow forfeited, gave up, traded away your soul? Which is just the churchy word for uh, referring to that part of you that longs for more. That part of you that believes there is more to this life than this life. He goes on, what would you give? What would you do? What good is it for you to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul at the end of living this awesome life? Lose what you were longing for? While they're kind of mulling this up and, and considering this first question, Jesus goes on to ask him a second question. He asks him this. Or what can, or a better translation for us in the future, um, is what would, or what would you give in exchange for your gift? or in exchange for your soul. Otherwise, Jesus is saying, let's, let's flip it around now. Let's think about it this way. You've reached the end of your most awesome life, and you've come to the point where you realize you're going to forfeit, you're going to move into an eternity where you forfeit your soul. At that point, um, let's say that it dawns on you, or an angel visits you, and this is all hypothetical, remember, but at that point, let's just say you realize that by that you had the opportunity by giving away, by trading away something that you own, maybe part of your reputation, maybe part of your career, maybe part of uh, your possessions. If you, could, if you were given the option to trade away part of this life to exchange for your soul, to get it back, what would you trade? And everybody in the audience knew the answer to that question. We all know the answer to that question. If you were given the option to gain your soul back, by trading away something, you would trade everything. You wouldn't negotiate, you would trade all. It wouldn't matter what, it was, what was required, that you would give it all away, you would trade everything because you knew at the end, you can't take anything with you. It doesn't matter how much you accumulate in the middle, it eventually ends in zero. And Jesus puts things into perspective and he answers so brilliantly these two questions that he's asked. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Well, it's no good. What would you give to gain or to, to get back your soul in exchange for your soul? The answer is everything. 
To which Jesus kind of points out to them, look what you just discovered about yourself. You consider your soul of greater value than your glory. And Jesus has said these two questions within the context of this one statement that he said right before he asked these two questions. And this statement was simply this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For whoever wants to save their life, in other words, whoever puts their trust on uh, in themselves, whoever lives for them, who lives for their glory rather than uh, using their gifts to serve others rather than trusting in God, whoever puts their trust in on them will eventually lose their life. And he's just pointing out what you and I both know. You can't save you. No matter how successful you are, no matter how gifted you are, you can't save you. And Jesus knew this. And that's why he died for you and for me, because he wanted something more for you. He wanted to add purpose to your life. He didn't want you to go through life to reach the end and go, well, what was the whole point? I I started with nothing and I'm going to end with nothing, no matter how much I gain in the middle. Jesus wanted to add purpose to your life and so he died to set you free so that you could step out into an eternity, to step out into a future and you could embrace purpose. That's why he says, whoever loses their life for me, in other words, whoever puts their trust in me will save their life. And whoever loses their life for me and the gospel, and this is where the glory element comes in, because that that word gospel uh, simply refers to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And what Jesus is saying here is, when you lose your life, when you live for my glory, you reflect the love that I gave the, the love that I demonstrated by dying for the world. And when you use your gift to serve others, you give them a glimpse into what I did for them. And when you live for that glory, you ultimately play a part in changing their life. So what's the bottom line? The well, bottom line is this. Your glory is too small a thing to live for. You were created, you were designed with more in mind. Your glory, it's too small a thing to live for. You were designed with more in mind. And that's why God, he, he died for you and for me, to save you because you and I both know you can't save you, but he can. And ultimately, your glory is too small a thing to live for. Um, we're going to uh, move into the application uh, section of this message, uh, which we like to call For Monday, because uh, we believe, look, there's no point in you coming uh, to church on Sunday if it doesn't benefit you, if it's not um, helpful for you uh, as you move into Monday. And this week's uh, for Monday uh, is not going to get you to do anything practical. Uh, this, this whole series has been about helping you discover your greater purpose um, because at the end of the day, when you discover purpose, um, you uh, add an extra layer of meaning to your life and it gives you uh, a reason to get up in the morning. Um, we've been doing this um, and ultimately next week, Uh, For you to embrace purpose, you need to become a means to an end, and you need to work out how you can use your gift to serve others. And that's the question we're going to ask next week, and we're going to get really practical. We're going to show you just how you can use your gift to serve others. Uh, We're going to give you a heap of options of how you can practically do that. But tonight, to get you to kind of shift your thinking, to help you begin to think of yourself as a means to an end rather than the end yourself, I want to get... I want to challenge you to ask this one question. Who do you use your gifts for? Who do you 
use your gifts for? Is it for you or is it for others? This is what it would look like for me to ask it. Who do I use my gift of communication for? When I get up, is it about me? Is it about what others think of me? Is it all about me or is it about adding value to you? Is it about adding value to those that are here? Is it about others or is it about me? Whatever your gift is, this question will require you to ask, who, who do I use my gifts for? Who do you use your gifts for? Is it for you or is it for others? Now, for a lot of us, we can probably see kind of two elements. Well, I use my gifts for, my, for me, but I also use my gifts for others. Um, if that's you, I wanted to give you a second question for you to ask to see if you're actually a means to an end or if you're actually the end when you use your gifts. And the question is simply this. Who's it ultimately about? When you use your gift, whatever that gift is, whether it's singing, whether it's administration, whether it's academics, whatever your gift is, who is it ultimately about? When you use your gift, who do you ultimately have in mind? If it's about you, you're living too small. You were designed for more. You were designed for a purpose. And God is giving you those gifts to point you to that greater purpose. And when you embrace it, it will change your life. Um, and I say that not because the Bible says so, but because I have seen it played out in so many different people's lives. And I just wanted to share with you one story um, of somebody whose life was changed because they recognized, hey, I'm living for my own glory. I need to become a means to an end. And they used their gifts to serve others. And they discovered purpose, and it was the best thing they ever did. Um, so I just wanted to share with you this one story. Um, she's actually somebody who's been uh, a part of our community here at Beyond. Um, she was actually hosting before um, Clarissa. And um, Clarissa has been a part of our community here at Beyond for, for two years now. And through that journey, she actually made a decision to become a means to an end and use her gifts and her talents to serve others. And um, I asked her uh, last week, hey, could, could you just give me an email of just kind of a few of um, a description of, of your story um, and she got back to me um, and she got, gave me the story uh, to share with you um, so I just want to share with you right now uh, this is what Clarissa says um, sometimes rock bottom doesn't look like rock bottom I've always had a family who loved me a roof over my head food in my belly a wonderful group of friends I've lived in different countries and traveled as much as my heart desired to top it all off, I had a job that I loved. And for the past five years, um, I've consistently moved to where I want to be. From the outside, everything looked great, but despite all the amazing things going on in my life, something wasn't right. I wasn't happy or fulfilled. I was always wanting something more. Last year, everything changed. I, I, I was chasing a promotion uh, that I'd set and I set a huge target for myself, and I got there. This was everything I had worked for over the past few years, all those long hours, and I thought once I had achieved everything would fall into place. I was wrong. I felt more lost than before. It brought me no joy or happiness. The only thing I gained from it was money in my pocket, which is something that seemed irrelevant. I've been coming to Beyond for over two years now, and the moment I walked in, it felt like I was home. 
My relationship with God had taken a back seat over the last few years as I was focusing on myself more than anything. I initially uh, was involved here and there at Beyond uh, when needed, um, as I never had the time to fully commit because of my job. Over the time, though, I built so many important relationships with people in our community, joined a connect group who are family now, and I found myself wanting to spend more of my extra time with them and serving whenever I could. They were so giving, so accepting and selfless, and it was addictive. It was the happiest I'd ever felt, it was the happiest I'd felt in years. I'd found myself feeling more and more connected with God before I was lost, but He provided me with exactly what I needed. And I knew that He brought me here for a reason. Late last year, I decided to turn down a promotion at work because I wanted to be able to invest more of myself and my time into our community here at Beyond. And I know I couldn't have both serving alongside others here in this community for God is the most satisfying thing I've done in my life. For Clarissa, she reached a point in her life where she realized that while she had everything, she was missing something. She realized that her glory was too small a thing to live for and so she decided to become a means to an end, to use her gift to serve others. And she's never regretted that decision. So this week, I just want you to ask that one question. Who is your gifts for? Who do you use them for? Because when you use them for others, you gain purpose. And it will be the best thing you ever do. So I just want you to ask that question then join us next week as we answer that other question. How do you use your gifts to serve others? Because when you do, you will discover purpose. And you may just, as it was for Clarissa, it may just be the most satisfying decision that you ever make. Um, We're going to pray and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Dear God, uh, we just thank you uh, that you have a purpose for our life, uh, that you've given us gifts uh, to serve one another. I just pray that you would help us to see ourselves as a means to an end rather than the end. I just pray that you would help us to, to have the humility to use them for others uh, rather than for the, ourselves and that they would bring glory to you because at the end of the day, our glory is too small a thing to live for. You have designed us with more in mind. Uh, amen. As I said, we're going to move into a time of communion. Um, and really, uh, all this is is a meal that Jesus had a couple days before uh, he was to die uh, on, the, uh, on the cross uh, for the sins of the world. And, ooh, and um, during uh, this meal, uh, Jesus took this old uh, meal, that, uh, a Jewish meal that uh, the disciples would have, uh, you know, been accustomed to. And while he was gathered around these disciples, he took this meal called the Passover and gave it a whole new significance because he was giving a whole new, uh, greater purpose to these, uh, to the disciples, but not only the disciples, but to you and to me. And in this meal, he, he took uh, two things. Uh, one is the bread and the wine. And he grabbed these things and he said, this is my body and this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. 
do this as often as you gather together in remembrance of me. Nothing required whatsoever. Jesus freely gave his life so that you could have a purpose and so that you could live on purpose. And so uh, we're going to share in that meal right now. Uh, All we ask is that you want to be forgiven, that you want to lead a forgiving life because that's what's on offer right now. Uh, So we're just going to pray again and the band's going to continue to play. If you don't want to do communion, feel free to sit where you are and just hang out. Uh, We're going to pray though. Dear God, uh, we just thank you uh, for everything you've done. Uh, We just thank you for your love, Lord. Um, And we just pray that you would help us to live in that love and experience that love. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. If you'd like to stand, uh, we're going to sing Tremble. Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break. At your name still call the sea to still the rage of me to still every way at your name peace bring it all to peace the storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still Raging me to still everywhere at your name, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your silence fills, 
Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, breathe, call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise, breathe, call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. This is Clarissa, by the way, if you're wondering which one. This is Clarissa, so that was all about her. How cool. No, we just want to say thank you so much for deciding to spend your Sunday night here with us at Beyond. We're so glad that you can make it. 
Um, and if you, we're hoping you got the point tonight. Um, and if you want to hear like more of the point, you can come back next week to part four. Or if you maybe like zoned out a bit, or you want to hear it again, or you want to hear part two or part one, jump on our SoundCloud, jump on our iTunes, um, and you can hear the podcast there. If social media is more your thing. We are we've got a Facebook and a Gram. You can go to Beyond Church AU. We've actually got a, something a little special for you on there tonight. It's a poll. You guys get to choose our theme song. You've heard two now. Make your vote count. 